Welcome to the first episode of the Smash View podcast. My name is Sean Hurst and I'm the technical director at Smash International. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to leading experts across the business and compliance technology industries to hear their thoughts on what's happening in the world today. Our first episode, we'll be looking at the process of digital transformation that has been happening during the coronavirus as businesses have been forced to adapt to work during a worldwide lockdown. And I think it's summed up beautifully by Microsoft CEO Sachin Nadella, who recently said that we've been through two years of digital transformation in just two months. I'm joined today by Philip Priestley, Group Vice President of NTT, one of the world's leading technology services companies. We are in unprecedented times, and with the fact that the coronavirus came on so suddenly, uh, where a lot of people are suddenly working from home and having to adjust to a new way of working, We are forced into a situation and our clients are forced into a situation where they need to adjust the way they work to ensure that they are remaining productive, to ensure that their work continues in the same way it did when they were able to be in the office and be able to do things in the traditional manner. And Phil, I I don't know if you're seeing a similar thing with with your clients, if uh, they're having similar challenges to, to what I'm seeing, where suddenly there's a, there's a massive need for this face-to-face conversation through tools like Zoom and Slack, yet they weren't necessarily set up for it. Yeah, I, th- I think, it, Sean, to, to your point, it, it's, been a, it's been a dramatic um, three, four months. Um, and and the, the instant change that I say hit all of us and then the speed at which we had to respond to is, is pretty unprecedented. So um, the initial thing that, that we saw with our clients was literally just the, the kind of day one support of, actually, what tools do you need? Where can we help you? What do we need to get stood up? And essentially just getting users sort of at home and working and being productive again. So uh, as you kind of mentioned, some of the kind of the, the players there, we kind of see the unprecedented growth kind of across the across the communications platform um, and, and meetings providers. So you mentioned Zoom, so Microsoft with Teams and Cisco with WebEx. They, they've all seen significant beyond market growth in the last two, three months um, it's also fair to say they've all had their challenges as well that they've been addressing and on all the slightly different challenges um, to address that, but but generally have responded very well to the market. I think it's been well received by clients, the efforts that I think everyone's gone to to do that. Yeah, it's incredible to think we're, we're in a very different phase of this whole process right now than we were two, three months ago. And you, you just reminded me of some of the challenges that our customers were coming to us with at that stage. Right now, we're talking about the compliance side of it and making sure that people are using these tools in a compliant way and doing it in the most productive way. But that wasn't the challenge back in the beginning. In the beginning, it was, what do we do? How do we do it? And the fact is, Zoom, we've all seen the headlines, right? From 10 million to 200 million daily active users in three months. I can't think of another company that's had that sort of growth. Facebook wasn't that big. It's unprecedented, really. And and it, it's one of those where, the, to, to, to your point around compliance, it, it's, we had that we had the initial stage and it went from, look, we just need to be able to communicate as a team. So what platforms do we already have access to? Is that fit for purpose? Do we need to move to another platform? Which is kind of very much day one. So we saw a huge growth of new platform adoption. So Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams in, in particular, but also WebEx and, and consumption from clients, but just going to different levels of consumption that they would normally have, which also has brought its own issues. Uh, but also then once kind of the communication pieces it, it, it 
in play? Do people have the right devices at home? Do they, do they actually, are, are these people that are used to working from home, how do we help them? What are the processes? How do they need to get in the culture of that? And how do we support them while they're working at home? I think it's a key part that, that sometimes gets forgotten as well. There, there is the human element. Uh, a lot of the time, the analysis that I do when I when I have these sort of talks and uh, when I do present, we talk about the generational shift in communications and how people from various generations prefer to talk. Some of them, especially the the younger generations, Gen Z, for instance, prefer chatting via instant messages, and the millennials more along the the email side of things. But the one thing that was kind of common across the board with the analysis that was done, uh, there's a survey by Microsoft, one of the things that was was across the board, no matter what generation, was the need for face-to-face meetings. And obviously, you're now working from home. You can't have those face-to-face meetings. Well, you can, and that's why we got these video chats. But it is that human element. People need that social connection. And that's one way to do it. It's amazing what technology has actually achieved for us uh, to keep us all sane in these times. But yeah, like, like we've mentioned a few times, it really brings in some challenges as well. What, what's, the, what's the key challenges? I mean, we, we've talked about a few of them, the compliance side, the cybersecurity, uh, the actual just ability to implement these tools. But are there any others that you were seeing? Well, yeah, I'd say then, then Sean, obviously there's, that was a situation where I'd say in the kind of that first phase of the reaction was getting people working, basically, getting people back sort of doing their day job. But then actually then once kind of we got past that, that phase of, well, okay, we can work, we're working in the capacity that we're able to at the moment. But actually we then need to start looking kind of outwardly facing again. So looking at how they address their clients. So this is kind of through different things and, and again, leveraging platforms such as Zoom or Microsoft and live events, but actually looking at kind of how you actually run those external events because I know for us in, in the in the technology industry, it was it was kind of um, heading to where there's a lot of conferences coming up. So actually, how do you replicate those events and those conferences for the different vendors and actually have those externally facing? So how, how do we get those set up? How do we support them doing that? Um, then there's also um, what they what was left behind a little bit to a certain degree as well. So we've seen a lot of clients just move to new platforms quickly. Um, so there's also some transition required from the legacy systems. Also, some applications potentially just didn't scale well. So it's driven a whole transformation and very quick transformation, which is where sort of Satya Nadella called out with that two years and two months. It's just that huge drive into the cloud environment. So with the likes of Microsoft, AWS, Google, and just huge adoption. So it's just, again, supporting that process, supporting the ease, supporting the rollout to people. I mean, back to the, the topic of this of this uh, podcast, the, the two years of digital transformation in two months. I like to look at it from another angle as well. Why why were we why were we not in the position we're in today? Why why did we not implement that that digital transformation? I know that you know conversations you and I have had in the past. There, there's there's always been the recognition from from professionals like ourselves that people need to fulfill this digital transformation in their companies to to really reap the benefits of this. Uh, the ability to, to to be more productive, to to really make use of these tools. But what do you think was was holding them back? And you know, it's pretty obvious what what's pushing them forward now. It's it's 
just out of pure necessity. But what do you think was holding them back before? Let's be open and honest. There's certain sort of verticals and sectors that had, that had more challenges, especially with going to some of the cloud-based solutions and, and some reluctance as well, to be fair. And, and I think what, what COVID did was kind of push them. A, a lot of them have been, in, and we talk about financial service in particular, being kind of that teetering point over kind of, do we go, do we go over to cloud? Are there some, some potential issues and, and, uh, that, that stop that? But I think it hit, it hit a point with COVID that kind of the benefits outweigh the, the negatives and actually the, the controls and obviously what Smarsh offers as well to help with that has kind of helped push it over the over the top, so to say. And I think then the, the benefits have severely now outweighed those um, negatives. So um, it's in a very strong position. And, and the tools and the capability that comes with moving to cloud and the cloud-based applications just opens up um, more possibilities for employees. Well, talking of that, I mean, let's talk about where we are now. We've obviously, you know, we've seen some really interesting things happen over the last three, four months. And we're now in a position where it is the normal. And obviously, there's a shift now to start moving people back into the workplace. And that's going to be very slow. There's going to be a lot of companies that will not be going back to the office before the end of the year, I believe. I know that with my wife, that's uh, how her company are working. I know with our company at Smosh, we are being very careful and considering all all options. But we, the position we're in now, what are you seeing with your clients? So how are they approaching the next steps? The, the, you know, what are they going to do to to facilitate this new normal? Yeah, good, great question, John. So the, the, the there's there's a few different elements to this. That there's one is kind of the the human element. Actually, is it is it safe? Uh, is it safe to do it? Um, is it a good idea to do it? I suppose is the other side of it. Um, based on how people can operate today, do they need to have the same capacity of people in the building? Um, and then secondly, um, are they following the local regulations? So in different countries, so in the UK, we're still at two metres at the moment, but it's been reviewed. Um, other countries are at one metre, some are at 1.5 metres. So those all have different impacts. Um, we, we've also seen in some of our offices around the world where people have come back to the office uh, initially in the first week, and then actually they've realised, well, actually, I quite liked it working from home. So I think I'm going to go work from home again. Um, so it's actually shifting kind of that dynamics of who comes into the office, what you need to come to the office for and what you do in the office. Um, and then then secondly, longer term, then what impact does that then have on the office space itself? So we, we have lots of uh, discussions going on at the moment, both internally for ourselves at NTT um, and also externally um, with clients around supporting them in their buildings and actually trying to um, – show the capacity of their buildings actually pulling the data through of what the utilization is one of their actual online platforms so looking at those new ways of working the patterns of working and, and who's doing what and where and when um, but then also looking potentially into the new buildings how we put the systems in place to support people return to the office um, things such as office check-in so actually so you're able to check into the office when you go in so you can re- reserve your space so that the capacity of an office doesn't go past um, levels that would then bring in um, social distancing issues, um, but then all, all the way through to actually then tracking the utilisation of that office as well. Um, I, I will also add um, to a degree, and, and being a technologist, this is kind of anti uh, me saying it, but technology has run wild a little bit in this area at the moment. And, and what's very important for companies to do is actually define those use cases 
of why people are coming back into the office and what they need to do to protect them uh, and not just put technology in for technology's sake. That's an interesting point. Uh, it's something we're seeing on the communication side as well, uh, where people are running a bit wild with these products. A lot of people suddenly finding themselves working from home, especially if they didn't have the tools in place to to do what they needed to do, not just what they wanted to do, but being able to have those voice communications without having to use a cell phone. Maybe they got bad cell phone reception. Uh, maybe they just need that bit of face to face with their with their teams. The fact is, if they didn't have those tools, they were just downloading free software. You know, Zoom is free. The the, well, the basic version of it is free, and a lot of people are doing that. The problem is you start downloading these free tools and you start just using whatever you want to use. Don't don't actually advise your colleagues or your staff to actually use specific tools that can remain compliant, especially in the financial services space. Then you're going to have some real challenges. And I think that would would work with some of the tools you're talking about as well, right? You need to like with any with any digital transformation project, you need to really assess the 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 risks versus benefits, the uh, the costs, of course. And I think that is going to be what is going to be very much a focus over the next couple of months. There's going to be a bit of a level set happening. It's like, okay, we've got through this first phase. Let's now just take a deep breath and let, let's level set. Let's find out what do we actually need here. I think what what is going to come out of this as well, though, is there's going to still be a heavy reliance and usage of video chat tools. And that's going to create a little bit of its own challenge, right? Especially if people are coming back into the office. It might not be everybody going back into the office, but if you're having video chats and let's say you have an office full of, let's say 30 people and they're all on different video chats, how do you manage all that? I think the way that office spaces are designed, that's going to change a little bit as well. Yeah, totally. So in the office itself, and actually this is something that we're kind of actively doing with with a number of uh, vendors at the moment, is actually some of their systems and how they can support that. So even simple things like when you're joining um, a conference, we're actually using using voice-activated services rather than actually having to, to touch additional devices. It is just a simple example. So using using speech to, to join meetings or to start meetings, but also the tools themselves have the have the intelligence to actually then say how many people are in the room, is there too many people in the room for the capacity? Are people uh, safely distanced from each other? These are all things that we can do and, and support in that journey. But also then I think you're gonna see more of and, and actually this is a trend that we're starting pre-COVID, but but we see this as just accelerating it, of looking at actually how the offices themselves are structured. So moving to more activity-based working, so so less less desks and more working spaces. So be it sort of different size conferencing rooms, huddle spaces, um, collaboration spaces. Obviously maintaining social distance rules, um, but just looking at how kind of that density of an office is put together. And again, that's where that that data and the analytics piece is key to say, look, this is this is my square footage. These this is the different spaces and how the different spaces are being used. And how how we can then maintain that longer term? So I mean that brings us on to wh- where are we headed? What what are, what are the challenges facing companies going forward? I mean a lot of it is iterative, so it's it's following on from some of the challenges they saw at the very beginning of COVID. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of a bit of a saturation point and uh, a leveling out of uh, activity right now, but I think it's gonna it's going to increase again. In, in maybe a, a couple of months' time, when when people realise they don't want to be in this position again, they don't they don't want to be unprepared for the next COVID, right? The next time something like this happens. Yeah. So what we're seeing 
is really that kind of what, what we touched on earlier is that that kind of explosion from a cloud standpoint, be it from a communication standpoint or from how we actually deliver service and applications to clients. Um, the the move and the the growth of those platforms is 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 huge. To be fair, um, but also then looking at actually how they're delivered as well. So we look at kind of from the example of employees. So we look at employee experience, but how are you actually delivering those services? How can we drive more automation into them? How do we drive more self-service so that when issues occur like this, um, some of those processes are already in place. And so in a way, it takes the, the human element out of it where someone physically can't be in the space they need to be, but we can actually automate it and, and drive that process. I think you, you, you touched on policies. I, I think that's something that's I'm hoping is already underway in terms of revision of a lot of policies and procedures internally at a lot of these companies, because I've found in my in my experience that many of the policies and procedures are are a little archaic. They are set in a time when when things were a little bit less advanced than they are today. They definitely didn't take into account things like cloud or remote working. Again, traditionally, remote working is not necessarily something that many banks like to do. I worked in a bank for 15 years, and I know that there was barely anyone that was working from home even one day a week. But that is going to be a new normal, and we need to change our policies and procedures to actually facilitate these these changes as well. So I think there's a lot of scrambling there, and I think that's going to to have quite a big impact. It's going to make people rethink the way they're approaching not only the human element but also the technology element. Yeah, almost certainly, Sean. I think we've we've already seen that because it's actually um, proved um, a lot of um, general health thoughts wrong um, that actually people can be productive, people can operate, and, and let's be honest, it's People have been able to operate and productive in very tough environments, so maybe in limited spaces, maybe have the children at home as well. But, but I think generally um, everyone's come out of it well and, and positive, uh, and it's proved that it does work. So I think going forward, I think you'll, you'll find much more flexibility. And actually, there's, there's kind of two, two views on it, and, and we look at this from kind of from an employee experience and then a, and a customer experience. So um, dri- driving this with, with your own employees, so I think it's shown that actually people are – able to work and be productive whilst working from home, which actually which actually means going forward, it actually drives an improved employee wellness because I think people not stuck on the commute, not spending a lot of time getting to work, and actually that, that productive nature whilst at home um, helps them enormously and, and helps with kind of mental health as, as well as physical health as well. So I think there's been huge benefits from that. But also the, the, the transformation to cloud actually opens up huge opportunities for employees now, now that some of the I'd say more traditional um, blockers have been taken out of place around adopting the, the available technology, the then potential to build on that and, and offer sort of greater value to employees and great help to employees um, is it, it, huge. But also then if you then flip it over to the customer experience side, so so one, what some of the challenges um, that people have been going through actually ultimately has actually driven people to look at new ways of engaging their clients um, and new tools um, and new vehicles to do that which actually actually is driving um, sort of transformation innovation in that space as well. And, and those new channels, I think, will actually give them huge benefit going forward. And, and, and again, by, by adopting and, and driving cloud platforms, it then gives them access to much greater capability to do that.
And it gives them access to a lot more data as well and the ability to search through it and analyze it in a far more efficient way using things like machine learning against massive cloud infrastructure where you've gone and pulled in a ton of communications data. There's a lot of intelligence that can be gathered from that. So in in the past, we've seen from a client services perspective or a client support perspective that phone calls are analyzed. But Typically, those phone calls are done manually. They're reviewed manually to see how maybe a client services representative is uh, communicating effectively with a client or maybe to to judge client satisfaction or dissatisfaction with your product set or your, your, uh, your company as a whole. Now, being able to do that across a wider subsection of your client base, if you're having client meetings remotely and you're able to record all that information, Picking up maybe missed buy signals during those calls. No, no human is infallible. And the, the banker or trader that might be speaking to his client might have missed something that the client had said about maybe a bit of an interest in spending a bit of money they've just come into. It might not be as obvious as that. But a lot of this machine learning is able to discern that information from not only voice chats and video chats, but also from these communications that might be happening via instant messaging or or even things like WhatsApp. There's just so much information. With more information, you're able to do a lot more of the analytics. You're able to do a lot more of that, you know, pulling out the relevant information. And I think it goes in beyond that for for the type of space that that you work in. The, The fact is that you're able to uh, you know, see a lot more information around what people's movements are around a building, how, how people are, are working efficiently or not working efficiently, people maybe not spending time doing their job during the day. There's a lot of analysis that can be done on that as well in terms of, you know, internal performance as well. Yeah, totally. And I think I think the, the whole area that, that you're talking about there is just gives us that, like, personalization of communication channels. And actually by... Um, looking kind of that external facing view with that data driven, so actually getting the right person to the right the, the the right data to the right person at the right time is huge, and also has an internal focus as well. So what we see around adoption and how we drive access to platforms and information around platforms is actually much more around kind of targeting the right information to the right person. Um, it is the challenge now rather than overflowing them with information. So actually, the sooner they can get to what they need, the more productive they can be. Philip, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating discussion as always. And uh, I thank you for spending some time with me today. Hopefully, we'll have you on a, a future episode of the podcast of The Smash View. And there will be another one coming in the next few weeks. So make sure that you're subscribed so that you get to hear the next one.